Hi, I'm Spencer. And I'm Blake. And you're about to get jumped. Welcome to the first numbered episode of 2023, episode 212 of Blake and Spencer Get Jumped, a weekly podcast where we watch the anime so you don't have to. But you should still totally watch the anime. This week on Get Jumped, we're watching Yu Yu Hakusho episodes 104 through 106 and the first three episodes of The Owl House, where in one, our hero is whisked away to another world full of wonder and charm, and in the other, our hero is whisked away to another world full of demons who somehow miraculously but inevitably proceed into a turning park. Oh man, I told you, I told you so much, Blake. I was like, it's going to get there, and you're going to be like, what is happening? And uh, prepare, guys. If you had forgotten what happens today, I will get more loud about this show and have to move further away from the microphone than I have in a while. Anyways, let's jump in. Well, we are, we're back and we are okayer than ever. Oh my God, man. I am so, I'm so, I just wanted, I just wanted to like get to it and to be wrong again. And I was just like, as soon as, as soon as, as, uh, okay, a quick, quick thing. Spoiler for anybody who's never seen Yu Yu show, but if you've seen Hunter x Hunter, And you're like, man, I wish the end of the show wasn't just a weird way to make democracy work inside of a world full of, like, monsters and superpowers and shit. Well, get ready, because this creator has a fucking hard-on for it. And he's just like, how can I do democracy in a world full of demon monsters that want to kill each other? And the answer, apparently, is fight world. (laughs) (laughs) I have I have a lot of thoughts and my at the beginning of this episode uh, at the beginning of our first episode of coverage today I was like very much having uh Hunter x Hunter flashbacks but I will say that Yu Yu Hakusho uh so far in in the uh following episodes swerved in a more interesting direction uh specifically i was like oh this is the part of hunter x hunter where they had to elect a chair a replacement for the chairman Mm -hmm. uh and in hunter x hunter they chose literal democracy (laughs) oh yeah well hunter x hunter Hunter x hunter was after yu yu haka shows so he was just like how can i get even more democracy in (laughs) <laughs> yeah we're we'll get to it but this episode is all about these episodes i guess are all about and and this arc is about choosing a new leader and in in hunter x hunter which was the same creator but was later their their decision to choose a new leader in the action anime was to uh, discuss it for a while and then hold a series of elections. Mm-hmm. And uh, in this action anime, it's to do action. So I, I think this one is succeeding better, but we'll talk about that in more depth here in a minute. Yeah. So uh, a, uh, a couple of things real quick. Um, I, I agree with Blake that we have to talk about the thing that we're going to talk about second, because it is a big fucking deal inside of both the voice acting world and the anime world. But first, yeah. what the fuck are you posting about here? Because I had never heard about this show. What is this? I 
So I also haven't heard about this show, uh, but that's part of the reason I put it on the news. I have heard about this game. So this is an article I pulled from PCGamer.com. The article title is The Near Automata Anime Has a Firm Release Date and a Release Trailer. So this was posted 15 days ago as we're recording this. Um, So Near Automata is a, a video game that was pretty well received. I think there's been more than one at this point. Um, I'm, I am a late adopter to many things and video games are some of those things. So I usually don't get a video game until it's been out for like five to 10 years, (laughs) unless it's Pokemon. So, uh, I, uh, don't know near Automata or the, the near series, which is spelled N I E R beyond having seen various people talk about how it's good. Um, but uh, it's getting an anime adaptation. It is one of those uh, video games that is made with an anime aesthetic. So it getting an anime a- adaptation makes a lot of sense. Uh, but yeah, I don't know how big this is in the world of video gaming news or in the world of anime news. But it is anime news that caught my attention because, uh, again, it's my understanding that these are relatively popular, relatively well-received games. So I I don't have a lot to say on this, but I did think it was news and I want to put it down. (laughs) Yeah. So the second thing is something that I had read about recently, and it's a big, big dot deal inside of the voice acting world. One of the longest... I'm going to need to talk about this one for a few minutes. (laughs) Yeah. One of the longest running voice actors that has been playing the same part in multiple series that is the exact same character for 17 years... Uh, the voice of Ash Ketchum is preparing to say goodbye to the show. So this yeah. is not only a changeover from this person playing Ash Ketchum, but it's also a huge changeover and a monolithic switch inside of what has been done inside of the anime of uh, Pokemon. And Pokemon is going to be having a complete upheaval in the fact that the new characters from the the arc of the new season, the leads are no longer going to be the same characters we have been watching for years. If you watch that show still, I picked it up, left it, picked it up, left it, picked it up. Most recently I watched uh, quite a few episodes of the sun and moon series, uh, which was markedly better than anything that I had seen before that from it, other than yeah, for nostalgia's sake. Yeah, animation shift there. Yeah. Uh, that was also a bit of a soft reboot, because Ash's family moves to what was then the new region, and it, they a lot of fans noted that Ash was being portrayed almost as younger uh, in, in that series. Uh, now, it was major but at this point somewhat dated spoiler alert he ends up winning the tournament in sun and moon um which is a a big shift because it's a league tournament he's only won i think before that the orange league which was like a side tournament um i think maybe he won like the battle frontier thing at uh, 1.2 which was also sort of a side thing um but this is the first time he's won a pokemon league was in sun and moon Uh, so it's sort of a soft reboot and it's also sort of a culmination of things. And then as far as I can tell, cause I don't watch the anime, uh, I've been putting it on a few times recently, um, sort of when I want to not watch TV, but I also don't want to sit quietly. 
uh, because it's a really good thing to not have to pay attention to because it's very episodic. And I would say it's a great show for kids. <laughs> like if you have if you have young kids, it is a deeply inoffensive animated series that will have a lot of charm to it for your kids uh, and a lot of nostalgia for you if you have any interactions with Pokemon. But it's not a particularly good or engaging show while maybe having gotten better recently <laughs> because mm-hmm. they've taken a they've taken a, a more diverse storytelling approach. It used to be it used to be that there were going to be okay, you're either watching the end of the season where you're in the middle of the tournament arc and so you're getting like really good fights. And that happens, but it happens infrequently because they'll have like, you know, 80 episodes between each tournament. Uh, or you have, you know, a big monument episode, which is generally going to be one of the eight gym badges that he has to get. Uh, otherwise it's just your monster of the week episode. And the monster of the week episode is almost always, uh, introduce the monster. Then team rocket shows up deciding to try and capture it. And then the team eventually defeats team rocket, usually with a combination of the monster of the week and Pikachu. And you just sort of rinse and repeat ad nauseum until you've done 80 episodes and then uh, you do a tournament and then you do 80 more of those episodes. So it's like it's never been the best anime, but I think they pulled back from Team Rocket uh, over time uh, and especially recently. They brought in a second protagonist named Go who had different goals than Ash, but they were sort of like traveling together. And so that, I think, breathed a lot of life into the series So yeah, now they've had the exact same protagonist with some additions, but no actual changes from the main protagonist for 25 years. And now in the ninth generation, which is theoretically the ninth iteration of the anime, they've definitely done more swerves than that for some, like like I said, the Orange Islands was its own thing, but you could you could lump that under the umbrella of gen one because that was sort of the anime treading its wheels before Johto was introduced. So if we look at it from that perspective, this will be the ninth iteration, but it has taken us two and a half decades to get here. And there has been two and a half decades of basically nonstop content. I believe there was a bit of a break for COVID uh, and other than that, I don't know that there were any other major breaks in coverage. 25 years, nonstop. They've had the same protagonist. This is like after, you know, I mean, they've had more than money, more than 400 episodes. This is like One Piece. If One Piece in the next new chapter of One Piece was like Luffy is no longer the protagonist, not Luffy is off doing something else and we're going to focus on someone else right now. But, like, the series from now on will continue, but Luffy will not be the protagonist. It's kind of like that to me. And, obviously, One Piece and and Pokemon are telling completely different stories in completely different ways, so it's not a perfect metaphor. But, like, I guess that's been my reaction to the news, is, like, I think this is good. And I think this is correct. And I also think that, despite those two previous statements holding true for me... Those things are less true when it's been 25 years with no changes. And it's like, it's a good idea. I think it's going to work well for the anime, but I'm also confused why this is a decision that wasn't made 
for 24 years and now is going to be made at year 25 or after year 25 or whatever. Like, you know, do you know what I'm saying? Like, it makes sense to change up the protagonist every once in a while, but uh, it feels like if you're going to do that, it needs to be every fifth or 10th year. And if you miss those dates, doing it on the 25th year is like, okay, now people either gave up on this protagonist or they're married to it. And now you're going to get rid of the protagonist. It seems like a decision that is correct for like the future life of the series as a whole, but incorrect for like anybody that considers themselves a current fan. Uh, And I, you know, I'm going to pass the mic to you and hear what you think about that. But I, I will say, I know that there are tons of fans that are happy about this. That's not what I'm saying, but it's just like, it's just a weird choice to like stick somewhat obstinately to the main protagonist for so long, especially when a lot of people were wondering, like, are you going to age him up? Are you going to switch him out? And they never did either one. And now they are officially doing it at like a somewhat random point. And I'm just like, I'm confused about this decision being made now, even though I think it's the right decision. All right. So here's my argument saying that this is possibly the best thing that could have happened for the anime Pokemon as well as the series Pokemon in recent memory other than the new game coming out. Number one, there is a new game coming out. Um, you are playing or, it right now know, or it just came out, out yeah. right? They they were planning this as the new game was coming out and they were planning to release a new anime for a new generation of players in a new way that this... I believe what I have been told from everybody that has played it is that it is it feels different but the same as a Pokemon game. And because of that, the anime needs to be different but feels sort of the same. And I think that the way that you can do that the best is that you can introduce an entirely wholly new generation to Pokemon by getting them into something that they don't have to, you know, go into and possibly backlog. And I also think it is a good opportunity for uh, an anime studio as well as a video game company to start rolling out a a new way of getting people into the games even more um, by creating an anime that is not locked in, I, I would say, tradition. Um, because the problem with um, the original series of Pokemon is that it has almost a a forced upon structure that it goes episode by episode, and they yeah. played around with that in Sun and Moon. But man, oh man, even when you're watching the episodes, it still feels like you're doing sort of the same thing over and over and over again, which Blake mentioned it's inoffensive and you can turn it on in the background. However, if I was somebody that was creating an anime or uh, somebody that was trying to make people super interested in anime so that I can create a larger, more hulking, uh, you know, uh, world of a game, I would say I would want people to be talk about my anime in the sense of not not being not offensive um and more so that it is entrancing and interesting and it draws me back in and i just don't think that people found ash's journey as compelling anymore because 
Ash had gotten to the pinnacle a couple of times. Like, honestly, the last time that I remember giving a single fuck about Ash Ketchum going to some sort of, like, you know, super powerful gym or going to the Pokemon League tournament or something like that was back when he had a fucking Kingler. And that shit, when I was watching <laughs> was it back then, ago. yeah, I was, like, fucking invested, man. Like, that that shit, I, I still remember being, like, heartbroken when he didn't make it all the way through. And when mm-hmm. he finally had the moment to win, I was like, that's the way you have to end it. That's the way that you have to leave it. And that's the way that you can finally move on. If you if you finally let him win one, then you can finally move on from it. Because now, yeah. if, he won- if he wins one, he becomes you know, the champion. He becomes a champion like Lance at the end or whoever it is that defeats the the Elite Four and becomes the, the challenger at the very end. Um, he, yeah. he gets to become that. And I think you have an opportunity to also turn him into that as a cameo later on. Um, like, yeah, totally. We stepped away from there, his story, but his story continued. There is no universe in which he doesn't come back to the anime, although I do think it's very likely that he does not return as the protagonist of the anime. Correct. I think from now on, he's going to be, well, uh, I was going to say Tommy from the Power Rangers, uh, because, you know, Tommy is the sixth ranger and then he becomes like the leading ranger. And then after he eventually leaves the show, he still like shows up periodically. Actually, yeah. Billy is maybe a better example. <laughs> Billy, Billy leaves the show as a ranger. But Nobody cares what Blake's like, talking man. about because he's talking about Power Rangers. <laughs> Everybody knows Power Rangers. Like, you know, he he sort of becomes the man in the chair. Nobody cares about what Michael's talking about because he's still talking about this is a perfect analogy. (laughs) So, yeah, I so I yeah, I think, again, I I have mixed feelings because I'm like, it's a strange thing to try and sell your fan base uh, to to establish after many, many correct jumping off points. Uh, of being able to switch your protagonist and you have refused to do it. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, basically after everyone stopped expecting you to, you're like, yeah, we're doing it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like strange to me. Yeah. Um, e- even though again, I'm like, yeah, there is, this is absolutely the correct choice. And the anime did do an interesting thing. So th- I don't think I'm going to get into details here because the anime is on a, several months delay between uh japan and here and there's a weird thing if you want to hear a lot of discussion about this the the pokemon podcast it's super effective is a really good source uh i think they have better takes on this they also uh several of them keep up with the anime so they are more informed about the series as a whole um but I, I know that there was discussion about the fact that, like, you know, uh, in Alola, in the, the most recent series before the current one that's about to end, uh, they had Ash win the tournament, finally, at long last. And uh, everybody that was watching in Japan knew about that months before we knew about that. But it was also, like, immediately spoiled for American audiences because uh, fucking ESPN wrote an article about it. Like it was actually big news that Ash won because so many of us grew up with Ash and we have nostalgia for that. And um, 
So it became news in this sort of like absurd, unexpected way because like ESPN is a sports news website writing about a Pokemon anime victory. Like just thinking about that is odd and kind of funny. And um, I, I love that we live in that world, but it's also a funny and strange thing that we live in that world. And so like, you know, there was another sort of like jumping off point that they presented themselves in this most recent series that also got spoiler news coverage. So if you have any Pokemon news, you have probably been spoiled for the anime that you haven't been able to watch yet. But uh, that that is it is technically true that they set themselves up for another good jumping off point with Ash in this most recent series. Um so like, yeah, if they were going to do it, probably most people would say that they should have done it at the end of Sun and Moon. But what they did with the story after Sun and Moon also works uh, as far as where the most recent story ends. And uh, yeah, I think this is a great idea. I also think that so the new protagonists that are going to take over instead of Ash being there, it's going to be a duo of protagonists. I think they're probably going to be expanding on the vibe from Ash and Go my expectation is that they're going to have the two of them go off on separate concurrent journeys, um, kind of similar to the manga, the Pokemon adventures manga, um, rather than be like a traveling duo, like the anime usually has been that said, the anime has usually been a traveling duo. So it feels like that is just as likely to happen. Um, So I I guess we'll have to wait and see what they do with that. Uh, I am really curious. I'm definitely going to be like popping into the anime just to see what's going on. I also, you know, as a huge Pokemon fan, but mostly as a Pokemon video game fan, I do find that there is a sort of relaxing nostalgic charm of like checking on the anime just to see like the Pokemon that I like from the games being animated and what they do with them there. Um, Even though the anime is pretty pretty kid focused uh i would say even more so than the games and so it's you know it's never quite as exciting uh as i think it will be in my mind but it is nice to go and you know sort of see your friends animated uh instead of you know video game animated yeah i don't know I'll, i'll be curious i also think there's no universe in which these characters stick around for more than like maybe three or four seasons maximum i think at this point with them jettisoning Ash, they are not looking for the next 25 years protagonist. They're probably looking for the next couple of seasons protagonist. And and we're probably going to see a shorter version of what Ash has done here where, you know, they might have a couple of different regions that they travel to before they finally win the thing. Uh, but they won't have to travel for as long or as far as Ash did to become winners. And once they become winners, they're going to get cycled out. That's yeah. my, that's my guess. Well, let's talk about something completely different from this and something that is different, but also great. Um, It is the show that we are covering in our screen time this week. It's called The Owl House. It's also very different from what we usually cover, but I think is a really great show Um, in the the kind of feel. It's really similar to Gravity Falls, which we said when we covered gravity falls is not really under our normal coverage, but we're going to do it because it was requested. And if you want to request these kinds of things, you technically can, but don't go crazy. And now we've watched this and I'm like, I don't know, are we going to be Saturday morning cartoons and anime? Like what's happening? Yeah. Okay. Well, 
I also have a sweet connection to this, and so does Blake. Um, we had one of the voice actors that works on Owl House uh, or the Owl House uh, work on our show, which is called Tenants. Uh, it was a web series. If you've never checked it out, you should look it up. It's all on YouTube. Just look up uh, Tenants. Some of it's better than other of it. Tenants, <laughs> Tenants web series is, I think, the easiest way to find it, but it's just our our thing from a time gone by. Uh, this It's also, it's on our YouTube channel. So if you look up our YouTube channel for anime <laughs> stuff, you can also watch it there. Yeah. And I do maintain a, an anime intros and outros playlist on YouTube, as well as an anime fights playlist on YouTube. So there are reasons to look up our YouTube channel for anime stuff. And if you're there, you might as well check out the web series. Yeah. Um, so, uh, the, the, the actor's name that we, uh, had on our show is named Avi. Uh, Avi played a character on this show or continues to play. I'm not hundred percent sure. I'm not caught up on it. Uh, called rain whispers who, a, a cool piece of trivia that I found on the Disney wiki is that rain whispers is Disney's first non-binary character as they go by they, them pronouns. And, uh, and then it talks a little bit about who voices them. Um, I also have a, a great message from Avi. I, I let them know that, uh, we were going to be, uh, covering this show and I was like, do you want to say anything to people that might be interested or might be fans of the show? And the response was, my only message is to the peeps is to keep being weirdos. Because like Luz says, us weirdos need to stick together. Keep showing up for yourself, trusting and believing in your worth, loving who you are and being proud, finding ways to shine in a world that feels bleak and dull. Remember, you are loved and you are valid. And like our beloved Rain Whispers once said, don't give up so easily. They probably need it more than than you realize, which is a beautiful sentiment. And also like, man... Working with somebody for a small period of time, getting to know them for a small period of time, and immediately knowing that they are way more talented than our crummy little show that I think is fine, but obviously this person is way more talented than this, <laughs> um, was yeah, like if really apparent. More, I would absolutely have wanted them to come back <laughs> because they there was so much that you could just see watching them on screen. You're like, Oh, they've got a lot to give and we didn't give them a lot to do. (laughs) (laughs) Um, This is the same way that we felt about, you know, every one of our actors that we worked with. Um, Yeah. I uh, think about Glenn the most where I'm like, Oh man, Glenn was awesome and so good to work with. And I feel like we just never quite figured out what to give him. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, uh, it just speaks to how bad we are at being people. Anyways. uh, You know, it was a learning experience and then, real life got in the way of us continuing to make it. So yeah, that's true. It is what it is. <laughs> Moving across the country seems difficult, but let's talk about Owl House, yeah. which is charming. Um, it, it, if you are somebody that uh, wishes um, that you could have another kind of magical school that you can immerse yourself into, this one is really, really interesting. I, I will say be prepared as somebody who maybe sticks closer to like the adult genre of the animated world. If you're watching a lot of shonen anime and you want it to be, um, you know, more, more crude or more adult, that this one is, I think it's 
produced exclusively by the Disney Channel. I don't know if they have any additional sponsors um, or if it, yeah, if Gravity Falls is on both Hulu and Disney. Yeah, Hulu, uh, Disney owns Hulu, but uh, yeah, uh, this one is only on Disney Plus. So yeah, and not, uh, I think there's some. It's a different thing. This one definitely leans further into uh, skewing for all audiences, and I, I say that is uh, after watching. Um, I watched. I think six episodes so that I could prepare for this because I hadn't had a chance uh, to, to pick it up in a while. I tried to pick it up before and watched uh, some episodes that had Avi in it. Um, just to, you know, I, I want to see my friends work and uh, I, I saw those and I thought this show is very charming. It doesn't skew directly into my viewing habits. However, this is a show that I would definitely get on board with watching with my kids when they're old enough to be interested in this kind of thing. And I think that it is a, a really interesting kids show in the way that something like it, it doesn't, it doesn't skew as adult kids show as something like adventure time. It's, it seems more to me closer to something like a, um, uh, a Steven universe, um, and have that kind of feel to it. Yeah, I think I agree. I definitely look at both Gravity Falls and The Owl House as the sort of next gen on from Adventure Time uh, of that kind of like, you know, wacky kid friendly. But there's a depth there. Uh, I I don't know. I I remember. I mean, I don't know. I I never watched a lot of SpongeBob growing up because they didn't have that channel. And I know SpongeBob was like sort of off the walls and definitely preceded Adventure Time. So maybe my personal perception here is skewed. But for me, Adventure Time, when I first watched it, was something new. It was crazier. It went to zanier places. Like it just felt like take the imagination overload of your average sort of like comedic animated kids show and just you know put it on child-friendly cocaine or something like that like it was really just off the wall stuff and they just fucking went for it and that was i remember the first time i watched it i think you were there the first time i saw it on television because i used to have a i used to have an internet package that included tv And once in a blue moon, I would just turn on TV and see what was happening almost always to Cartoon Network or Comedy Central. And on Cartoon Network, in the middle of the day, when we were like preparing to go somewhere, maybe we were just preparing to hang out, uh, there was Adventure Time. And it was the episode where there's the like Viking guys and they all fight each other. And then Finn convinces them to hug each other instead because the mountain is crying because it doesn't like the violence. Mm -hmm. And... It's sort of like a chain reaction of trying to help one person causes problems for the next person. But it's weird as fuck. And I remember watching that and being like, what the hell am I watching? And being sort of like disturbed and turned off and then coming back to the show later on and finding that I really liked it. And that, you know, approaching it as something that was funny and weird worked for me in a way that like finding it on accident did not work for me. Um, I think these are students of that where they let the imagination run wild it's really a feast for the eyes oh yeah uh, and if a feast for the imagination when you look and you're like oh man this fantasy world has a ton of stuff going on like they sat there and poured over these vistas and backgrounds and locations 
to think about, like, not just sort of like, this is a skeleton place, but like, what was it the skeleton of? Why is the skeleton shaped like this? What was it in life? You know, it feels like they really put all of that thought into it. Um, so I love that. And I think that Gravity Falls and The Owl House were big hits for me. I definitely felt maybe a little more pulled in by Gravity Falls than I was by this. But I also felt like Gravity Falls was a little bit more like, just turn it on and see what's happening today. And this gave me almost a like, this feels like it's going to have a lot more like character development and growth over time. Uh Where I was like, I can tell that like the more I invest in this show, the more invested I'm going to become because of how this show is clearly going to like build up its characters and concepts over time. Like even in the, you know, I only watched the first three episodes, even in those first three episodes, I was like, I can feel the relationship between these characters growing and growing in ways that are becoming more and more heartwarming. And it's like, even though it's transparent, it's so well done that it continues to work. Yeah. I also believe in my heart of hearts that uh, your husband, Pete will like this show so much and it will play so much into his, his wants. He will be (laughs) invested. Um, yeah, if you don't I think so too, if, if I don't know if he's ever mentioned it in this, but Pete is uh, very, I, I don't know if he still is after the controversy, but very invested in the world of Hogwarts um, or the magic world. Yeah, he, you know, it's a sort of, uh, we try not to talk about Joanne, but we still love Harry Potter. Yeah. Try to separate the author um, from the creative piece. Um, but yeah, yeah, like, especially when the, you know, in defense of Harry Potter, Harry Potter is a story about (laughs) like accepting others. Uh, and just the author is becoming further and further from the work that she created, which is tragic. But Uh, I would say that's neither here nor there about that. (laughs) Yeah. Pete is also a big, he really vibes with stories about outcasts. I think he, you know, this is really traditional experience for the, you know, kids that grew up different, especially I think those that grew up as uh, part of the LGBT community, which of course Pete did, even though he's a bit of a late bloomer, um, not, not sort of like realizing or admitting that to himself until his early twenties. But, you know, we all come to it in our own times. Uh, it, It was like for him, I think he always felt, different and i think there was a sense of being an outsider for a lot of his life and i have just picked up on like things that are about outsiders sort of especially things that are like outsiders forming their own community and creating you know spaces where they can be themselves and be comfortable and stuff like that that seems to really vibe with him. And that is the explicitly stated like thesis of this show mm-hmm. over and over again. They're like, I mean, even in Avi's message, which like they don't appear in the first three episodes. I don't know how long the show takes to get to them, but like th- for them to put that in that sort of brief message about like the show and the message to the fans or whatever is huge to me as like reestablishing what was very clear from the first few episodes, which was, this is the show's thesis statement. This is a show about outsiders. This is a show about realizing that being an outsider doesn't have to be a bad thing. It can be a good thing. And then finding your people. Mm -hmm. And it's like, that is huge for Pete. So I think I like, I'm like the next time we're looking for a new show to start, I'm going to suggest this. And I think he will take to it. 
Yeah. Uh, but I also wanted to bring that up because I think his experience is not unique from the standpoint that like, again, a lot of LGBT people go through those feelings and those experiences. And so, and also a lot of not LGBT people go through that. Like this is a really common experience across humanity and it doesn't have to be for everybody because I wouldn't say that I particularly feel like an outsider in the same way that he does or has. And I like those narratives to a lesser degree because they don't vibe so personally with me, even though I do enjoy them, but it's like, uh, you know, you don't have to be, you don't have to have had that deep personal experience to enjoy it. But if you have, I think you'll have a hard time resisting this show's charms because it leans into it in a completely obvious, almost heavy handed way, but it is so well done that you just don't even care. Um, So yeah, I think I loved this. I I would highly recommend it. I'm probably going to, in my free time, I'm probably going to reach for Gravity Falls before I reach for this, but I am going to be reaching for both of them again. And I will, uh, I'm more likely to show this to Pete than I am to to show him Gravity Falls because I think it'll vibe with his personal frequency. All right. Well, after all of that, uh, let's talk about uh, how one of the shows that we have gushed about and how much we loved is slowly, slowly developing into a steaming pile at the very end. It just, it just, <laughs> it just shits the bed at the very finish line. And uh, a quick recap of Yu Yu Hakusho because I'm not even going to give Blake the opportunity to do it. It's about oh, a fine. show about a guy who has adventures when he dies trying to save a little boy and then comes back as a spirit detective. There's a ton of information that you need to know about that. Listen to some of our previous episodes about it if you're really interested in it. But Listen to all of our previous episodes about it and all, also the ones about all the other stuff too. Just uh, just do a quick re-listen. Yeah, but I swear to God, the the show, the show has just gotten to the point where now we're just doing demon world shenanigans. Um, it turns out you use you use old father slash grandfather slash great, 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 great grandfather was a demon and Did- passed down latent demon genes. And because of that, he is going to have to gather himself up to become the new king of demon world or one of the three lords of demon world or whatever the hell they're trying to get at here. Um, I know that they explain it in a quality way inside of the show, but the more I watch it, the more I annoyed I get with it. And I just want to, here we go. Episode 104, every demon for himself. (laughs) And that's how I fucking feel because here's the deal. This episode starts out with the thing that you were expecting to start to happen. And then it's going to swerve on you and make you mad. So Yusuke has showed up at, uh, one of the other leader demons, uh, areas. I think, um, this one is going to be They're like headquarters or something. I guess capital city is probably. The yeah. Honestly, it just seems like crazy, interesting tech world that we are just not going to get any of. Um, because instead of any, anything about that, um, we are going to immediately have use case show up, have a, have a sit down conversation with Yomi. Also, Yomi is going to be like, Hey, Karama, if shit goes sideways, you need to make sure that you and these ragtag group of idiots that you brought along with me from a previous arc are going to team up with me and assassinate Yusuke immediately. 
And Kurama's like, that's definitely going to happen. And then he goes in the other room. Uh-huh. Um, and Wink. then in the other room, all of the other characters, as well as Kurama, like hold up like pre-written signs about how they're going to team up with Yusuke in just like the most campy, silly moment. I, it's really the most, the most that this episode could have done to try to win me back. And I was still mad about it because... <laughs> It turns out Yusuke's plan is that he is going to introduce a system of democracy inside of Demon World, which is a giant tournament, and the winner of that tournament is the strongest monster, so the strongest monster gets to rule over Demon World. And you can, anybody can enter in. It's really like anybody who wants to be demon president can be demon president. In order to do it, everybody has to cast their vote. And that vote is either slaying, murdering, fighting, kicking out of the ring. However you're going to cut it, you have to be the best fighter in order to be the leader. Which is not a great way to decide who's going to be the leader in normal human world. I'm not 100% sure if it's such a bad idea in Demon World, though, because in Demon World, uh, you're going to clone a version of yourself and raise it as your son and then fight it to the death in the ring. So it's just whatever in Demon World. So uh, I don't know if you could tell that I'm salty from these episodes, but then he's just going to be like, here's all these beads that are worth unimaginable amounts of money and I've carved fucking names into the side of them instead of just explaining to you in a fucking normal way what his idea was and it was just like so you just took all the like fuck you money that had been piled up by your great 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 dead grandfather and then you just poured it all over the desk and you're like by the way i stamped my own fucking name and the names of my friends on the back of this money so it's useless now man god the show (laughs) um I was really worried that this was going to turn, uh, as I said in the in the beginning, I was worried because this is the same creator as Hunter x Hunter, uh, and because you have been warning me that the story is going to swerve poorly, I was worried that, like, as soon as Yusuke was like, democracy is our answer, uh, I was like, oh, no, the last few episodes <laughs> are just going to be them discussing uh, and doing like a political campaign. Mm-hmm. And I just, I'm not going to be able to withstand that again because yeah. the Hunter X Hunter election arc, it's not uninteresting, but it's bad. Like, you know, I, I just, it, again, it, it's the question of, is this an interesting concept? Sure. Is this an interesting, um, like, uh, is it done in an interesting way? Sure. Is it in the correct location? No. Like, if you're doing, again, if you're doing your action series, uh, there are plenty of ways to resolve your action series with an emotional discussion. Uh, See much of Naruto as an example of when this is done well and sometimes when this is done poorly. Like, you can totally have the resolution of your big fight be, we're going to talk you out of it. Um, but there are limits to that. And I think Hunter x Hunter routinely finds pushes up against and then blows past those limits in ways that are very frustrating as a, as a viewer who was sort of sold an idea that this was going to be an action packed adventure and did not necessarily sign up for, you know, long drawn out political posturing. 
Um, I was worried that that was what we were going to do here. Uh, it's not. And, you know, at the risk of forever scarring our friendship, Spencer, <laughs> I still don't quite get why you're so upset. <laughs> Like because they have an entire tournament, they have an entire tournament that you haven't even seen what's going to happen yet, man. You don't even know. Yeah, I just, I just keep waiting for the ball to drop on the oh, this is what you were talking about, and it hasn't yet. With the caveat that on today's episodes we are covering three episodes, and the second episode I have nothing to say about it. Yes. It is the the preliminary rounds of the tournament. Uh, take place in such a way that the single two line bullet point that I wrote about it is honestly all you need to know. And you don't need to spend 24 minutes of your life watching the episodes to find out that they have a series of battle Royale tournaments in which all the characters you expect to win, win. Yeah. The only interesting fight that's going to be inside of these episodes, um, by the way, it's the, the preliminaries is the name of that episode. The only interesting part about it is that one of their friends, um, one of their friends is going to fight against somebody who we just met because it turns out that Yusuke's great, 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 great grandfather used to be kind of a cool guy. It seems like in demon world terms, and he used to spar uh-huh. and have fun with his friends and run around with them. That would have been an interesting fucking thing to watch. I want to watch old adventures <laughs> in demon world, but instead I got this bullshit where I just get to watch them anyways. Um, and like, instead of any of like good fights happening, they're just immediately brushing off everybody. The only fight that's going to be somewhat well, he also interesting is the fight. Isn't this the fight where he like gives up by, because he has the hots for her. Yeah. Or is that a different fight? It's uh that it's, was interesting. There are fun moments. Like mm-hmm. if you want little fun moments with your, with recognizable characters, they exist and they're in that episode. Uh, but like, you know, it's, there's nothing to it. If you want yep. fun moments, you can have them. If you want like important plot, it really doesn't have any, I mean, it is technically true that the plot of who wins the battles is important, but it, it's not surprising. Nothing, nothing surprising happens in these episodes. Mm-hmm. Every character that you expect to advance advances, all the characters that uh, you expect not to advance, do not advance. Um, your mileage may vary on exactly what your expectations were, but, uh, you know, I, I guess I would say I wasn't going to be surprised if one or two of the characters we expected got knocked out to, you know, make a character that we didn't know very well yet feel more dangerous. Um, I don't think that happens. Uh, I don't know. The, the middle episode of our coverage today did not hold my interest. I did find the first episode interesting, because it had some good buildup. And like Spencer said, it had the those moments of like, oh, the relationships that these demonic characters have aren't exactly what I would have expected. And they are interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I I also I just kept having this moment of like, OK, Yu Yu Hakusho has done a tournament arc like uh, tournament arcs are not that different from the sort of like progressively fighting your way up the stronger opponents to until you get, you know, your main character fighting your main villain at the end. Uh, So, you know, you can argue that like the arc before this one with sense, we had the shape of a tournament arc, even though it wasn't one. And you, you can argue that a lot of Shonen anime uses tournament arc structure as it's sort of like predominant storytelling device and I think that 
once you realize that in the same way that once you realize that X-Men is a soap opera and you just accept that like soap operas are sort of like high drama for the sake of drama and they can still be fun and good and it doesn't have to all be like daytime TV, then you your world opens up a little bit when you just sort of accept that like the preconceived notions you had about a thing aren't necessarily fair and they are maybe holding you back from it, fully enjoying the things that you actually like. Uh, I, I think there's some of that going on here, but yeah, th- it's definitely fizzling a bit. Mm-hmm. The thing for me was really the third episode and the setup of the third episode that happens in the first episode we covered. Okay. So this episode is called episode 106, the battle of father and son where Yomi who remember is the one that brought Kurama in to be his general has made a son. His name is Shura. Uh-huh. Uh, he was made in Uh-oh. a test tube and he's made in a vat and they, it, it, it reminds, I kept thinking about Dragon Ball Z here because I was like, Oh, this guy is making perfect cell. And he's like talking to his general and he's like, Hey, I'm making, I'm making a child in a, in a test tube. And, uh, he, he, he keeps saying like, this child is my ace in the hole. He, to me, he's implying that the kid is going to pop out and he's going to be insanely powerful because of some, you know, test tube trickery that was done. And he is going to turn into the main villain of this, the story. And, uh, which there are ways based on what does happen here that that could happen, but that is definitely not what happens. No. First of all, you see, you see the kid outlined in the test tube and there is some sort of like breathing apparatus or nutritional tube or whatever uh, connected to him. And he's mostly silhouette. And I was like, Oh, this is going to be some inhuman monster. I can't, again, I keep getting flashbacks to cell here and i'm like oh it's gonna be like it's gonna be some sort of demon creature that he's making and then they like you don't see it hatch and they just show up at the tournament you know two episodes later and the guy shows up with a a kid uh, that's you know uh, not preteen whatever whatever it is before you're a preteen but you're definitely not a toddler he's like eight or some some shit around there and he's he's just a, a human looking kid. Maybe he has a couple horns on his head, but he, he's just a humanoid child. He just looks like a child character. And I was like, oh, that's all that is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and then, then the fight is a little bit more of that's all that is for me. Yeah, it exactly is that uh, because Yomi is going to fight against his son uh, because they got paired <laughs> up because of their lots that they chose. And they're going to fight to the death on side of, uh, on the side of a giant island thing. And I say to the death, but really what's going to happen is that Yomi is insanely power, insanely more powerful than his son. And he is going to turn this into just a training regimen match for his son. And in yes. this match, we sort of get like, you know, the test of these powers and the like, the oh you weren't even strong enough to scratch me of it all from shonen villain that we're going to get to see so that's a little bit cool um the problem with it is that one of the things that is going to really give me this the vibe from this though is that look how cool this character might possibly be in the future and it is the same fucking frustration that i feel with hunter x hunter where it left off which was Gon and Killua are so, like, they're like an untapped 
well of potential that I am going to get to watch them scratch the surface of, and then the creator is going to step away and never give me the payoff for it. Um, Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, like I, I don't want to give too much away, but like the the right. show the show is going to the show cannot give you the amount that you want from these characters in the last nine episodes of the show. It is almost over, and the manga to give you a big spoiler, the manga ending is wholly different from this anime ending. And oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, it is. It is one of the things that like most Yu Yu Hakusho fans that that's where they get like the thing stuck in their craw about the the most, which is that the ending of Yu Yu Hakusho inside of the manga is very different and also is a complete swerve. And so the anime came out and was a different swerve into a different direction that didn't feel like the creator wrote the ending. And so like uh. you you'll. You'll see what I'm talking about when you get to it. And then I'm going to argue that we should read the final chapter of the manga as well. So you can be like, what the fuck? Um, because it made uh, a lot of people say that. Into that. Yeah. Uh, I, I like that idea. Uh, so I will say I like this fight if it weren't for all of the build up to the fight. Yes. I thought that this fight on its own, like if you if you haven't been following this story, and if you just turn on this episode, it's not a particularly thrilling fight, but it's a good story. It is demon father teaching demon son to be strong sometime in the future. And the point he he says something really interesting during the fight, which is like you can't learn to win until you learn how to lose. And so you start to realize as you're watching this fight, that the point of this fight for Yomi is to beat his son. He, this is, this is playing into his hands. He wanted to fight his son so that his son would lose so that his son would know what it feels like to lose so that he would someday be a person who doesn't lose anymore. And I think that those concepts are fascinating and they are interesting and they fit perfectly in Shonen and they work really, really well. What doesn't work is that two episodes ago, this kid was being grown in a vat to be the ace for this tournament. What happened to that? He didn't say he was going to be the ace for this tournament in 12 years. He said, this is going to be my ace. This is my ace in the hole while looking at the vat in which the kid was being grown two episodes ago. And now two episodes later, the kid is fully grown and he's at the tournament and he's clearly very powerful and he's clearly very dangerous. And there's this moment uh, into their fight where like Yomi is beating the kid's name. The kid has a name, has a name, by the way. Where was it? It's like Sherry, I think. Shura, Shura. So Shura, the kid, is losing to Yomi, the father. And then Yomi is like, do you give up? And the kid's like, I do. I give up. And then Yomi walks over to him and the kid gets evil kid look on his face and is like, psych! And he blasts him with an energy beam. And there's like a, you know, nuclear explosion style uh, mushroom cloud type situation that covers the area. And the announcer's like, holy shit, the, the energy, it's insane. And I was like, oh, this is the villain turn. The kid was losing, but he's going to kill his father and he's going to be seen as like this, you know, irredeemable monster 
because he killed his father in a non-chivalrous way. And so that's what I was expecting. And then, uh, then the kid is like, I won. And I was like, oh, his dad's not dead. And then his dad appeared and was not dead. And that happened like three times in this fight where, where the kid will be like, did I get him? Or I did get him. And you're, I'm just like, no character who has won a fight has ever commented on the fight being won without seeing the person that they beat lying there defeated. If you are in an anime, if you ever wake up and find yourself trapped in an anime and you fight someone in that anime, do not say that you beat them while the smoke hasn't cleared yet because that guarantees you didn't beat them. Don't do it. And they do that in this scene. And I'm like, oh, okay, we're kind of spoiling this for anybody that's ever seen any other anime before, but all right. So (laughs) then, yeah, he just proceeds to lose. And there's this whole moment where like Kurama is watching because Kurama was old friends with Yomi and is like, oh, Yomi's teaching his son not to repeat the mistakes that he himself made in the past. And several people are like, oh, he's teaching his son, you know, and I'm like, this is interesting. The teaching your son a hard lesson by publicly beating the shit out of him uh, sounds worse than it is, uh, but it's a really interesting storyline. It totally works. Unless that son was built up two episodes before to be the secret trump card in this tournament. So now I'm sitting here and I'm like, was this an aborted plot line? that we like built up and then abandoned two episodes later with like no real proper explanation or is the sun going to like Hulk out in two episodes time and turn into some sort of monstrous version of himself that nobody saw coming. And I don't know, like what's going to happen here either way. I feel like it's going to be weird. And if it's going to proceed how I expected to proceed, which is just that this kid lost this fight and the fight turned out to be a teachable moment from a father to a son. It's a good story if you didn't build it all up to be something that it wasn't going to be. Uh, and you had, you know, the time between bu- the build up and the payoff here isn't long enough for me to accept the author changing their minds that fast. So I'm just kind of baffled by the whole thing. Yeah. I feel, um, like, you've the other said, thing- I feel like you've said that sentence before about Hunter x Hunter. <laughs> Yeah, uh, you know, you can really, once you realize that these two were created by the same person, you can really fucking see it. So uh, I'm also, I was also baffled by another thing that was happening in these episodes. I looked up while this fight was happening and I was like, wait a second. There were these whole battle royales with like 50 demons at a time fighting to see who was going to be the king. I don't remember anybody dying. Nobody has died so far. And the dark tournament was the same shit. It was a big demon fight and they were killing people left and right. And I'm like, these are demons in this series. They have been established even though like, you know, since we from the last arc was like demons are more pure because they're, they're upfront about who they are, but who they are was murderous monsters. And I'm just sitting there and I'm like, wait, nobody's died yet. That seems weird for a tournament of demons. And then Yusuke gets up on the stage and he's like, hey, nobody kill anybody here. And I was like, oh, okay. I guess that's a thing and we just haven't addressed it yet. Uh, And it it was. And I actually was very skeptical at first. And then by the end of Yusuke's speech, I totally bought it. Because Yusuke's reasoning is, we are having a tournament to determine who's going to be the demon king. But we should have this tournament again in a couple of years and redetermine who is going to be the Demon King. 
And we should just keep doing that every once in a while on like an election cycle. And then whoever is the strongest at the tournament gets to be king for their cycle. And that's how we're going to do things. And I think that that's a good system. And uh, in order for that system to happen, I want everyone to fight to their fullest. And you cannot fight again if you die this time around. And I was like very skeptical about why no one was killing anybody. And very skeptical that Yusuke was going to convince all of these like bloodthirsty demons not to kill each other until he was like, well, uh, the point is to fight. And if you die now, you don't get to fight more later. And I was like, I, it's, it's weird logic, but I'm following it. All right. Um, well, that's our coverage for this week. And <laughs> stick with us after these credits and we'll give you what's coming on next time. Blake and Spencer Get Jumped is made by Forever Summer Productions and presented as part of the Geekly Grind Podcast Network. Sound editing is done by Rashad English. He's our level 15 sound wizard. Fireball! 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 Ad-free versions of our podcast are available on Patreon, along with extra Patreon-only goodies, like additional conversations and articles written by the hosts. Follow us on Twitter at B&SGetJumped. Like us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Blake and Spencer Get Jumped. Or talk to us on Reddit at Reddit.com slash R slash Get Jumped. We also have a Discord server, and you can find links to that on our social media platforms. If you like the show, please like, subscribe, and leave a review. Reviews help other listeners find our show. New episodes come out every week. Thanks for listening. Hello, my name is Jeremy Snow, and I'm the founder and editor-in-chief of The Geekly Grind, a geek-centric website that covers all manners of topics from video games and anime to tabletop games, board games, comics, and more. If you're looking for a website to add to your daily rotation for some of the latest news, reviews, and overall takes on where geek culture is headed, make sure to bookmark thegeeklygrind.com and pay us a visit. I also wanted to thank you uh, for being a faithful listener to this podcast. Blake and Spencer Get Jumped is a vital member of our podcast family, which also includes Knights of the World Table, which is a D&D audio drama podcast, The Ink and Paint Club, an animation podcast, Comic Book Keepers, which is a comic book podcast, and Geek Exploration, the podcast which is on general geek culture. We also have the Geekly Grind podcast, which provides audio renditions of our published articles, special guests, and more. Make sure to seek those out and listen to them wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks again. Next time on Blake and Spencer Get Jumped, we're watching Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, episodes 58 through 60. Yep, where dad is going to dad daddingly and his dadding dadded his way. Dadding a dad when he dadded a dad, and dadding his dad, his dad is dad. Daddingly. <laughs> Great. I know exactly what's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs>